Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Willie. And I am Tim. Uh, today, we're going to continue with our different format. We've got two kind of discussion points. First, we're going to talk about Marvel being stingy with their money. Secondly, we're going to talk about some weird casting choices that made very strange movies, or that could have made very strange movies. Compared to the ones we got. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, we're going to do a full review of Prince's Purple Rain. Prince didn't direct the movie, but it is Prince's Purple Rain. Let's yeah. just be honest. Yeah. And then uh, finally we'll get into some food for thought. We'll actually do that this week. It's going to happen. It'll happen. <laughs> so, um, all right. Off the bat, we've got a, a story written up by Deadline Hollywood by uh, editor-in-chief Nikki Fink. A very reputable source, mind you. Yes. And the title is Avengers Cast and Stingy Marvel Ready to Rumble Over Sequel Cash and Strong Arming. That is a, that's a good headline. That's a fantastic <laughs> that's headline. That's a good headline. This, yeah. She's been doing this for a while. <laughs> yes, she Because she's got some good headlines. She does. Um, so basically it goes like this. We can take it all the way back to Iron Man 1. Yeah. Iron Man 1... Terrence Howard was the highest paid actor on that film. Yeah, he was, he, he was. He was signed on before John Favreau. He was signed on before Robert Downey Jr. And that's why he... That's essentially why Marvel let him leave after the second one. Because he wanted more money. And Marvel simply said, no. We've given you a smaller part. Uh, which wasn't really true afterwards, you know. Yeah. Don Cheadle was given a little bit more than to do than Rhodey did in the first one, but not by a lot. And then, um, so, so that's kind of the first instance that we've had of Marvel being very controlled with their money. And, and recasting is obviously a, a, a clear sign in, in, in any franchise of money. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest here. I mean, ultimately... You can talk about an actor wanting uh, creative freedom or yeah. wanting to explore new... Being sick of a role. Yeah. But when it really comes down to it, it's money. Yeah. So. Because you can... Any amount of money can be thrown at you to do a part that... Yeah. Anybody can be bought. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. It's, except for Sean Connery because that man's still retired. But <laughs> He just has standards. Yeah. But... Um, so... What it comes down to now, why this is back in the news, is that apparently Robert Downey Jr. Uh, was paid something close to $50 million after the Avengers came out. That wasn't his upfront pay. That was basically what he got from box office, DVD sales, merchandising, all that good stuff. It's a percentage. Yeah. And it's been happening since the original Star Wars. I mean, I mean... Uh... Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and uh, Mark Hamill, I believe, all made a percentage off the original Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, box that's, that's just one of the things where it's like, you know, we're not going to give you as much money up front, but we will give you yeah. more later on if the movie makes money. Which, sure. that's fair. I think that's... that's... You, make, you wind up making more money if the movie's a, a success, which yeah. makes sense because I guess the idea is that you contributed to the success of that film. Yeah. And certainly Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. has every right to say he contributed to the, the success of all of these movies, Absolutely. really. Absolutely. So, so um, then then we get down to the point that uh, his contract is up. He's, he doesn't have to return for any more Marvel movies. He's mm -hmm. not contractually obligated. And um, 
some of his co-stars made sub-million dollar money for their parts in The Avengers. Specifically, I think Scarlett Johansson probably made a small amount of money, and even possibly Chris Evans. I had heard, I had heard, and this is this is not a hundred percent confirmed. And it never will be it, that Chris Evans had made uh, two hundred thousand. Yeah. On, on on Avengers, and and this is this is and keep in mind here. This is if you look at the at the billing, Chris Evans is right after Donny Jr. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. And so, just to kind of wrap up this background, uh, Robert Downey Jr. has essentially been like, I'm your big brother, guys. If you stand behind me, we can all get better deals out of this. Yeah. And so, apparently, everybody's agents... This is all according to the story, but everybody's agents are basically just like, screw you, please go talk to Robert Downey Jr. if you want to continue negotiations with us. Yeah. So, we have Robert Downey Jr. in a very powerful position reportedly he doesn't have to return for the avengers 2 to tell you the truth i personally could see a good movie coming out of avengers 2 even if robert downey jr isn't in it it could be a good okay it could be a good movie i just that's a big loss in the mainstream oh like it's i don't think i think there are a lot of people that would be absolutely upset there there have been plenty of good avengers stories without iron man Mm -hmm. the question is how bad does your box office get hurt yeah. By the by RDJ not being there. Yeah. 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 So so Marvel's in a bit of a bind here. They've got you know, I, I don't think um I don't really think anybody else's contract is up. Although I've kind of heard conflicting reports around that possibly Scarlet doesn't have to return. I, I know for a fact that Evans is on a six picture deal. This Avengers two would be the fourth picture of of that of that deal okay um, so he's done he did captain america the first avenger avengers he did and avengers. he is currently filming he's currently filming captain america the winter soldier yes so this would be his fourth picture in, in a six picture deal and that's this that's the same so uh, ruffalo Chris, has the same the six okay. picture deal yes and 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 hemsworth okay and hemsworth avengers 2 will be his fourth movie as well as well yes okay. uh ruffalo will be on two okay okay and then I think didn't Samuel Jackson get like a nine picture deal? It's a, it's a nine picture deal, and that was post Iron Man one. So I th- I'm I'm assuming his appearances and cameos count. Yeah, I would think they. Would. I think they do. So he would be on. Oh geez, Iron Man two, Thor, he was in Captain America, and he was in Avengers. So that's four he's now been in since. Okay. And, and he's going to be in, in Captain America two as well. Yeah. So that's actually five. At you know pre Avengers two. All right, so in in uh, in an attempt to to not make this an unwieldy conversation, <laughs> um, you kind of get the gist of it. People want more money to appear in Avengers too. They're still kind of contract contractually obligated to do so. Yes, they. they I mean, I mean, technically, from and and this is all. To be fair, this is all hearsay. This is all what we're hearing from reports from insiders in, in the industry. Mm-hmm. And apparently, the, the way the contracts work are, they have a multi-picture deal, they're signed on for, let's say, six pictures, but in between each appearance in one of those films, they can renegotiate the pay for the next film. So, for instance, Hemsworth was able to renegotiate his post-Avengers pay for Thor 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, both, both Hemsworth and 
uh, Evans and did Evans, that. absolutely. Now, okay. how that works as far as, let's say, they go into negotiation about, I want this much more for this sequel. If they decide they don't want to do it, I don't know how that works. I'm assuming there could be a lawsuit. Because they're technically... They have a right to renegotiate, but if Marvel inevitably does not feel like they've made their argument or they pleaded their case, they could say, well, I'm sorry, but... Well, yeah, I don't know. I, this it's is very complicated. My, it's my conjecture that possibly there might be a way that you can buy out, much like um, what happened with, with Conan. At, okay. you know, like it, Con- it, it, Conan got $50 million yeah. to walk away from yeah. the Tonight Show. And so, that, could, that could be the case as well. I don't... We'll never know. Yeah. Honestly, we won't. So, all right. So, so where do we want to go with this? I mean, I think that the, the important things here are a, um, in this specific case of of money for these actors, is Marvel in the wrong? And if they are, what do they have to do to fix this without going nuts and just yeah. just bleeding money? And I, I, I'm inclined to say that if these rumors are true, that Marvel needs to do something. I, I think that I certainly think that I understand. I, I don't think any of these people should make the fifty million dollars that Robert Downey Jr. made because let's be honest. To say that Hemsworth or Evans or Scarlett Johansson or Renner or any of those yeah. people are responsible for the amount of box office take that movie had, as Robert Downey Jr. was, is nuts. Yeah, none per- of them personally. I don't even think Robert Downey Jr. should walk away with fifty million dollars off of the Avengers. That's no, but his... he's he's got a really good agent. Like he, he really, like he that's does. a really like I mean I can't I can't blame him for being smart. No, yeah, no, like I'm yeah, not, I'm not blaming him at all. And apparently Marvel is pissed that that, that he got fifty million dollars. Yeah, and here's what's here's what bug. I don't necessarily think Marvel is in the wrong. I mean that's a huge discrepancy of like that's crazy to me and i'd like to see if like the actual numbers because that seems insane to say 50 million then two hundred thousand. Yeah. i mean and, and that could be wrong i you know i i but i'm, I'm yeah, sure yeah. there's a large gap but, between evans and just comparing to the two actors yeah first build and second build you know for a fact evans did yeah. not make even no a percentage no. of what Donnie jr made and i'm not saying he should but to be fair how much on-screen work did Downey Jr. do on Avengers no. compared to Evans? <laughs> yeah. Most of Downey Jr.'s appearance, in certainly in the last half hour of that film, are all voice work. Yeah. Which, which traditionally is not as highly paid, and, and, and rightfully so, yeah. as live-action work. You don't have to be out there on set in the hot days of in summer. Cleveland, yeah. In Cleveland, in a leotard. Yeah. So... I completely understand where, where these guys are coming from. I think that they do deserve, and I think, honestly, I, for me personally, and this is kind of my, I guess, my final word on this. Well, it won't be, but it is. Um, <laughs> is that, honestly, all that Marvel has to do is get, is, is offer them a, a higher percentage if they don't already have one on the film. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's Avengers 2 is going to make more money than Avengers 1. Yeah. It's going to. It. That the hype around Avengers One is still going, mm-hmm. yeah, which is amazing. I mean, they're still able to bank a pilot for a television show off of the success of a movie that came out in what a year ago now. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So, and sequels traditionally do even higher numbers than the original. Yeah. So, just offer these guys 
just a small percentage like you did. For, I mean, honestly, how much of a hit, even if Robert Downey Jr. did make $50 million, how much of a hit was that on a $1.6 billion yeah, dollar yeah. venture? Nothing. Well, it is a fart in a glove. <laughs> well, and then that's... Much that's, like our pain and gain review. Yes. <laughs> well, that's where I was kind of going is Marvel has been notoriously cheap, and I understood it early because it worked. I mean, go go low and then build. Now they have the money. My problem, I think, with this entire story is they're going to get paid. What I find kind of gross about this is it's obviously the people behind the actors that have leaked this to oh, the, yeah. and made it public. Oh, yeah. This is stuff that no, is this... going to be taken care of behind closed doors. This is kind of it's a it's a play to make Marvel look bad, kind of even, and it's just the whole thing is kind of it's it's, shady, it's gross. Bro. Nobody cares about it's like when yeah. like when the NFL or somebody locks out and people are like, no, just play football. We don't care. Like you arguing with each other. We just want to see football. Like we, nobody cares about this. Just we just want to see superheroes punch each other. Like yeah, that's it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I. I don't know. That's that's where if anybody's in the wrong here, it's probably the handlers and every, and the agents. I, it's, this it's is completely real. a power play totally. by the the agents yeah. of the people in the movie. Yeah. However, I mean, here's kind of my two thoughts on this. Yeah. These are these are the two things that I think I can bring to this discussion. I could very very easily see them making a deal for the Avengers two, and then letting all of these people go. Yeah. Everybody, everybody from phase one, gone. Like I, seriously, yeah. Because, because to tell you the truth, I, I person, it's maybe it's really dumb for me to say this. I don't think we're gonna see an Iron Man four. I don't, I don't, I, I think that if if Marvel is not gonna get Downey for more than two more movies, no, I think he's, he's, Avengers two is. In, in all honesty, there's a good chance it's just one more, yeah. and and. If they were smart, they would put their they would put their money on on the Avengers franchise as yeah. opposed to the Iron Man franchise. I mean, you're absolutely. I, I don't think I, I, if anybody would argue with you, I'd be shocked. I I mean, uh, it, it's from a pure money standpoint, it's dumb of them to do so. It's really stupid of them to do so. But if you get uh, there, they they. They clearly can't be giving everybody fifty million dollars. No, no, no. I mean, if you did that, that's gonna be. Three hundred and fifty million dollars out of your one point five billion dollar yeah movie. That's that's more money than it costs to make the movie in a in total. Just going to the actors. Just going yeah. to actors. So seriously, like if 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 Guardians of the Galaxy is a hit, everybody here needs to be sweating majorly because if they can carry a movie with the Guardians, goodbye, Chris Hemsworth. Goodbye, Chris Evans. You're not you. You won't have as big of a bargaining chip as you think you do. It's it's certainly possible, and I, I mean, Feige has said as much. Kevin Feige, the producer of all these things, the architect of, of, of what they're doing here, is has said more or less in regards to Robert Downey Jr. is that this is not a franchise that Marvel Studios is viewing as a. There there will be no reboot. There will be no yeah. when there is a recasting. It's just a recasting. Mm-hmm. There's no reboot. There's no. This is a franchise that he views, and I believe he said this as a James Bond type franchise yeah. in regards to Iron Man. And he, they will find somebody else down the road who will play Tony Stark. And I am okay with that. I don't think it need, it should not be anytime soon. 
No. No, I don't think so. Like, I think that if they go that route, they need to, if anything, make a roadie spinoff or something or put put roadie in the suit, honestly, because I don't think, like, I just don't think that'll be accepted very well. They have well, to desaturate right yeah. Robert Downey Jr. from this yes. franchise before they can even consider yeah. mm-hmm. adding somebody else in, in, in that yeah. role. If they put anybody else in that suit right now, it is a, they're in, honestly, it's almost worse than just having Iron Man not show up. Yep. Um, and that's just in my eyes, and I think honestly that's probably the viewpoint of a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I, 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 it bums me out to hear this as as a. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm a bit idealistic when it comes to these things, and I like. This is one of the reasons why I like to not hear things like this because, when I think of. <laughs> Weirdly enough, when I think of like Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth and Robert Downey Jr., I'm like, yeah, these guys really want to do it because they make the fans happy. Yeah. Let's just be honest yeah. here. Even if it is the agents, this is their job. Yeah. And I hate to say that because it's it's a harsh reality for me as a fan to face, but it's the truth. I mean, these guys, and, and I know people will say, oh, well, oh, poor millionaires, you know, blah, blah, blah. But you got to understand that when, when you're, you're going into a profession that you know you're, you're, you are now successful in, let's say Bradley Cooper hits with a hangover, and he knows now that he's a multi-million dollar deal maker yeah. for, for, for movies, he makes investments, whether it be buying a house, buying a car, whatever, that he now has to make sure he's good on, just like anybody else does. Yeah. Yeah. And I... I, I know an argument can be made for actors making too much money and being too celebrated for the work they're actually doing, and that's fine. You can make that argument. I'm totally cool with it. But these people are at that pay grade because that's the cost of living for these people. Well, that and, <laughs> that and the amount of money that a studio makes off of them, too, is just like the scale of it, too. I mean, And everybody else. Do you know how many people have been paid because Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. did what he did to that character? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really think about that. There's there's a lot more windfall there than just Robert Downey Jr. making a fifty million dollar payday. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it, it's interesting uh, in in the article on uh, Deadline.com, um, Joss Whedon brings up a lot about how it's interesting because you're hearing this in video games, you're hearing this in a lot of places that basically studios are eliminating the middle movie. You don't have movies coming out that are like that don't have a big star attached to them. Number one that still have a medium-sized budget. It's either, here's a movie with huge stars, or here's a tiny indie movie that was made for paranormal activity kind of money. Yeah. And that's uh, same in video games. It's just, that's kind of the climate. The, the, the other thing that's that I wanted... That's the economic climate. Yes, right now. exactly. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to hit real quick. Willie, you just got done watching The Life of Pi. I did. I did. It was fantastic. If you haven't seen it, seriously, please see it, because it's... I like Angley. I was so... Oh thoroughly impressed and surprised by that movie like i'm not gonna lie there was a tear or two shed during that movie for me like and that takes like it's it's hard to do that with me but when it does it's like holy crap i'm really liking this movie right now it was right it was good so so it's great it's great yeah um, it was great and what do you think about the special effects of the film oh they're they i was i was having a conversation during the movie about how I think there's something innate in the human eye that can discern what is real from what is not. And and the person I was watching it with actually said, like, that's an actual fear mechanism. You, your your body actually knows that it knows what to fear and what not to fear. So the tiger on screen, naturally, when it's a real tiger, you're going to have a feeling of realism. Yeah. It was hard in parts of this movie to discern 
Yeah. When the tiger, not not all the special effects are like that, but the tiger was, yeah. oh my god, like incredible. So, so the, they were better than Anaconda. <laughs> the special effects. They were. So so the the special effects house that won all those awards in the Oscar season. Sure. Was out of business. It was bankrupt before at the time. They won the Oscar. Before they won the Oscars, <laughs> they were completely bankrupt. They're gone. They're yeah. done. Yeah. They're, those people are now looking for other jobs. Sure. Why does Robert Downey Jr. get to make fifty million dollars? <laughs> and that and that effects team is probably living living paycheck to paycheck. I I I, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I totally yeah. hear that. I, I think I think Robert I don't I don't think Robert Downey Jr. deserves fifty million dollars for yeah. any movie he's in. No. And, I, and this is coming from a huge fan of him and his performances as this character. That being said those guys are gonna find other work. I'm just, I'm just saying this right now. Like most of those guys, most of the, the head guys of that company, it, it's true. They're gonna find other work. Absolutely. But the next studio working on an Ang Lee film that's gonna win a bunch of Oscars, they could still go out of business. Oh, sure. Just as easily. It, it as could they... happen, and, and that's that's like you said, it's a dissolving of that middle. Yeah, yeah. and it's a, st- I mean, it's a star business. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, it's unfortunate. Is it is it fair? No, but I mean, like. And I had a point. I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I almost didn't want to talk about this because of what Tim said. Yeah. I don't. I I. I don't like talking about this or thinking about this. No, 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 no. And I, you, but you an introduced Oscar- the topic, Willie, and I was like, yeah, that's an interesting thing to talk about. But it sucks because this is exa- like this is what those agents well, want us to be doing right now. Then an Oscar for special we effects. We are making Marvel pay them more money. It's us guys. <laughs> this is on you and me, Willie. But, but I'm just kidding. In but, all honesty, though, like I I I. I, I'm not stupid. I, I know what they're doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like, I, I realize what the agents are doing. And it's very smart. And I can't knock them for doing it's this. It's a game. It, and an Oscar, absolutely. An Oscar for special effects isn't as important as, like, 300 bajillion dollars. It isn't. So, it never I mean. Will be. It <laughs> never will be. So, that's why, yeah. Yeah. But it's ultimately, you need to see through this stuff. And, and I think that any of the fans that are hardcore enough or are in the know that are reading deadline are going to realize if not right away through what people are saying online about this, that it's the agents trying to get more money. Yeah. And uh, they're going to come back. I mean, (laughs) these people are coming back for Avengers too, at the very least. It's, it's not, they're not going to lose Hemsworth. They're not going to lose Ruffalo. They're not going to lose any of these people. And they, they they will eventually, yes. Yeah. Whether it be through a contract dispute or their own choice, their own decision, but it, it ain't gonna be Avengers two, kids. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's it's yeah. it's not gonna happen. And I would honestly hazard a guess it's not going to happen until after Avengers three, which is what they're probably thinking anyway. I really truly i I don't think you're gonna see any of these people cut until. I think point. I think they'd be dumb to do so. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you need to get paid, but if. My name's Chris Evans, and I bought a billion-dollar home, and I only made $200,000 on the Avengers. I get it. Guess who did that math equation wrong? Chris Evans did. It, so... Inevitably, inevitably, <laughs> yes. You, yeah. no, you're, there's there's yeah. an accountability factor there. And I will say this real quick before we before we end this discussion. I think sometimes what's forgotten is the exposure that these actors get yeah. from these films. Would Robert Downey Jr. be... Anywhere near he, where he was, if not Fireman 1. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how much you love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 
he would be I'm not saying he wouldn't have found another project but would he be Sherlock Holmes guaranteed no no no, no way no question he now has two if you count Avengers as a separate franchise three franchises that he owns because <laughs> yeah. of Iron Man 1 yeah would I mean Chris Hemsworth he was a no no one knew yeah. who this kid was would he be anywhere near where he was he's talked about for almost every major Hollywood role that comes up for everything would he be where he was without this franchise? Yeah. Nope. Well, I mean, arguably, you can talk... <laughs> we could talk like Terrence Howard. There you have and, it. Oh, a man who blames his... His... Inability to get movies off of the fact that he lost Iron Man 2. So there you have it. And, and but... <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm not saying that his argument is valid, but, but what I'm saying is that... Is that there is an exposure factor here involved yeah. too that it's an intangible you can't yeah. you can't really truly calculate this yeah. but i think it would be silly to say that these people are not having higher chances of getting major roles in movies with the what second highest grossing movie in the history of time second or third yeah on their list of of credits yeah i'm trying to think of who would be Still pretty well off, and it'd probably be Scarlett Johansson. I think she'd probably be would be the best. She'd be yeah, yeah. She, like, I'm Jackson, thinking, honestly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Renner and Sam Jackson and Scarlett, all the support, the, the yeah. lower. Ren- Renner bills, got like four different uh, they, franchises yeah. at once. So. <laughs> but the stars, I don't know. I can't say for sure they would. Especially, yeah, especially Hemsworth. I mean, I mean Evan, yeah. Evan, Evans was sitting there making. Nanny Diaries? What's oh man, Nanny Diaries. Oh sorry, I got excited for Nanny Diaries being on the podcast. It's true. Yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Any <laughs> any final thoughts? No, I mean, let's never talk about this again. Okay, unless Get, it falls through. Okay, money, cash, hose. I guess. Would be my yeah, final there you thought. go. I like it. <laughs> Tim said it best. <laughs> again, as usual. All right. Um, we will move on to some some. Uh, I called it movies that almost happened. There are movies that did happen, but just not with these people. Sure, and in future in, in future episodes, you might hear movies that almost happened. Yeah. Differently. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, Willie's Willie's going to be the master on this one. Well, you know, this time around I'll be the brainchild here. Um, I know a couple of projects that, I'm very, that are very close to my heart from the, uh, from the 80s. The first one being Beverly Hills Cop, which, of course, is the action comedy starring uh, Eddie Murphy, which is going to be a TV What are you talking spin-off. about? That's a new TV show. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Eddie Murphy, of course, starred as Axel Foley in this action comedy, which really was a precursor for a ton of action comedies that came afterwards. Yeah. And it honestly yeah. doesn't get enough credit for that. No, I don't I think it it's... kind of birthed a weird genre, genre of its own, didn't yeah. it? I mean, whatever. But originally, this was a Sylvester Stallone vehicle. <laughs> so I just want to talk a little bit about what is this movie? What, what, what does Beverly Hills Cop become with Sylvester Stallone as the star? This is post Rocky, of course. Yeah. Post uh, First Blood, mm-hmm. I believe. Post Rambo Two, even. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to be be sure on the dates with that. Alex will check that out for me. I'm sure. But this, by this point, Sylvester Stallone had secured himself his place as an action, one of the first real action stars. Yeah. Um, Tim, what is what is Beverly Hills Cop with Sylvester Stallone? <laughs> right, I'll, I'll just say right here. Uh, yes, this would have been two years after First Blood. Man. Sure. So, that's after Rocky Three as well. Well, there you have it. It. Oh. It's. Have you? Was it a more serious take? 
I don't know. Have, is there I don't a... think. I don't think. I, I don't know. Okay. And I'm not sure that anybody knows. Um, I think that a lot of what happened, from what I've heard about this, um, was Eddie Murphy ad-libbing a lot. Yeah, because that's what it's even in the movie. That's what it. Yeah. It, it seems. I mean, that movie doesn't work without Eddie Murphy, like at all. I don't think. Sure. I like. I mean, I I think he's the reason it works because it's pretty. I mean, it would have just been another Sylvester Stallone action movie. So, but I been... almost think Stallone would have went comedy because Stallone likes to make jokes. Oh, I didn't say it would be good comedy. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Like, like, no. like anytime Stallone dips his feet into comedy, it's a train wreck. I think that naturally, the story of, of Beverly Hills Cop, which is of course the, the the story of a Detroit cop, yeah, who gets sent to Beverly Hills, which yeah. is a completely different, uh, yeah, completely you're right, different area. There would be a natural comedy yes. element there Good that point. Stallone would. He's not stupid. It's a fish out of yeah. water story. Yeah. So he would he would play on that a bit. I, certainly, it would be more straightforward action than what we got. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not be better than what we got. I don't think. Not no. more unique. Certainly. Yeah. It, it would be. It, I think honestly, this would sit among the pantheon of Sylvester Stallone films that were ultimately best left forgotten but yeah uh, you know like an over the top or, yeah i mean yeah. I, I love over the top but yeah. that's me yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love cobra but that's me i was gonna say cobra was the other one i was thinking of uh, you know i don't think it would i don't think it would stoop to the like uh, is it oscar is he an oscar sure or or, or, uh, or stop or my mom will shoot st- yeah exactly i don't think yep. it would stoop to that level because you're right i think the We're, i think the plot of the movie is works there was still stallone heat at this point too yeah. career-wise yeah so Stallone. Heat. <laughs> there, was, there was heat on that career, so I mean, the man won an Oscar. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I could see it easily turning into just another middle of the road Sylvester Stallone like action. Yeah, sure. And it's it's a very interesting concept. I mean, Sylvester Stallone is not known for comedy. No, no. And usually, but he, he tries. Yeah, he tries. Yeah. So Schwarzenegger has always been more successful yep. in comedy, mm-hmm. and I think that's almost a big part of that's his accent. I'm not gonna lie; like, <laughs> I think that's a huge part of it. Um, it is. No, I'm just he, saying. I can't even understand what he's saying. He's so funny. <laughs> but people know him so well for his Austrian accent that that yeah. becomes funny when he's delivers lines like "It's not a tumor." Yeah, it's, it's so funny. <laughs> And he's just he's such a big lug too. He is. Like he's a big lovable lug. It would be very interesting to see this movie. Yeah. If if somebody said, Hey, here's twenty minutes of, of test footage. Yeah. For Stallone delivering Axel Foley lines, I would say, please God, let me see this right now. <laughs> um oh, God. the back and forth between him and Bronson Pinchot. Or him and him and him and uh Judd or oh, Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? <laughs> That being said, uh, I don't think we'd, we'd, we'd have a franchise. No. And I don't think we'd have a Beverly Hills Cop spinoff coming out to your TV set no. soon. No. Which shouldn't yeah. happen anyway. All right. I was going to say, maybe <laughs> you're starting to convince me this wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right, We're all I wanna, for it. I'm going to get into a few more of them before, before course, we get yeah. Of course. Um, the other one I really want to talk about is, this is actually one movie that had a huge number of, of um, recasting going on early in production um Jane Ghostbusters oh <laughs> yeah we can talk about that later um once we see the movie uh Ghostbusters yeah um Rick Moranis plays Louis Tully uh the key master of mm-hmm. Gozer and originally John Candy was set to play this character I believe John Candy is actually in the music video for Ghostbusters yes um 
Then we also have Ernie Hudson playing the new recruit to the Ghostbusters, um, Winston Zeddemore, my favorite Ghostbuster. Amazing. Please include him in everything. Because he's not included in the Genesis game. I'm just throwing it out there. Um, anyway, so Winston Zeddemore. And that was actually supposed to be Eddie Murphy, of all people. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. It's, 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 I, think, I think the Lewis Tully thing is a little less surprising because yeah. of John Candy's history in, in comedy and, yeah. and SCTV and, and, and the relationship with the Saturday Night Live cast. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, Tim, you got any thoughts on that? Which one, the, Sorry, the Lewis Tully? Yeah, or? let's go on Lewis Tully first. John Candy is Lewis Tully. No, I... Does it work? I don't think it... I, it's it's so tough for me because I've seen Ghostbusters like 300 times. Sure. And I just... It's Rick Moranis. And I don't think it works just because... God, the way it is in the movie, he's just such a... He's a little nerd. And, like, I don't know if it works as, what, like, as John Candy, just a big... It <laughs> but been, it, they would have had a, been a different yeah. character, and that's why it's tough to say. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. It would have been more along the lines of his vacation character. You guys have seen Vacation, yeah. right? Yep. Where he's kind of yeah, the, like, the point. bumbling... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I could... I feel like I could see Uncle Buck being in <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah, sure. yeah. So I, I think it still would have turned out pretty good, but it would have been very different. Rick Moranis has a very clear, like, nerdy-looking... Yes. Uh bumbling kind of guy yeah. <laughs> just you know the john candy the john candy would have worked better eddie murphy thing wouldn't have worked at all i'll say that that would have been a terrible mix and, and i and i i i completely agree with yeah. you which is surprising to me because i love eddie murphy mm-hmm. he was at his peak during this point and i believe he didn't take it because of beverly hills cop i'm not 100% they, they were sure. both 84 yeah. so but yeah i'm pretty which is funny that these both link up um that was unintentional. Um, but no, the thing the thing that's interesting about the Eddie Murphy casting is that he was a cast member on SNL, of yes. course. That's yeah. where he got to start. And I'm sure he would have had great uh, chemistry with those guys because he's worked yeah. with them before. But the thing about Winston that's so cool, for me at least being a huge Winston Zeddemore fan, is that like he is the audience's entry into he's, that universe. He's yeah. the grounded one. He's the everyman. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's he's a very cool character because – he really gives you that that element of he's not a comedic. I mean, Ernie Hudson is great, some great comedy in the Ghostbusters films, but he's yeah, not it, traditionally a comedic actor. It is because he's, he's a straight man. He's yeah. kind yeah. of uh, it's something that I've talked with Nick a lot before, but um, much in the way that Jason Bateman necessarily isn't like a really funny dude. He's yeah, but in things like Arrested Development, people are bouncing ideas off of him. Yeah. And like Adam Scott and Parks and Recreation, Owen Wilson and Wedding Crashers, exactly. Yeah. Like it, it's these these like solid backboards for people to fling jokes off of yeah and uh, winston just really kind of like he's he definitely feels he's like the outsider and just to have eddie murphy there being able to go toe-to-toe with all the comedic lines it would have been funny but sure it just would have been a completely different dynamic with the whole group in the first place it would have and and honestly he i hate to say this because don't get me wrong i love Aykroyd. And I love um, Harold Ramis, mm-hmm. but he would have overshadowed those guys. At yeah. that point in his career, he was on fire. That's that's the other thing I was thinking about, too, is when you've got him and Bill Murray on a screen, those two have to dominate the screen when they're on the screen. And that's the way yeah. they are. That's, that's, yeah. I was going to say. I don't think that would have been – they would have t- – Ghostbusters is so weird because it's such a perfect, like, lightning in a bottle, like – I don't – sometimes you can't even explain why it works so well. It yeah. just works perfect yeah and it's because of that cast and i think adding eddie murphy and bill murray together they would just dominate and i don't think it would be 
I mean, it's weird because you don't see Eddie Murphy doing ensemble things no. at all. Because until it, recently, yeah. Little, well, Tower Heist, I guess, counts. Yeah, and well, but yeah, he but he's in a completely the... different place in his career now, too. Yeah, where... and he was also that he was like the funniest part of the movie. Just to yeah, the truth. And but... this isn't Eddie Murphy raw, Eddie Murphy. No, by any yeah. Means, so, so it, it it's definitely one of those things where Eddie Murphy, he just I think he would have he he requires too much time to be like too much of the of the focus. Yep. To really excel. Yes, and that's so. yeah. That's I, I I think we're all on the same page here, and I, yeah. I think that I think that most people would agree that it just it would take a lot away from that character. Yeah, I do have one more I want to talk about. Okay, this is a bit of a surprise to you guys. We didn't talk about this beforehand. So. Oh, <laughs> um, this is one of my favorites because it's my favorite movie of all time. Will Smith Blade Runner. Neo. <laughs> what? You didn't hear about that? No, that's amazing. They offered, um, they offered Will Smith. Not Neo. as good as Keanu, but you know, I would mm-hmm. I would watch that movie. Um, Blade Runner. The original choice actually talked with producers, with the writers, with Ridley, Scott, um, was for for Deckard for the for the Harrison Ford character was Dustin Hoffman. He was actually like, if not signed on, like moments away from from putting the pen to the ink, <laughs> or the pen to the ink, the, the pen to the paper. Um, so, what do you think about this, Dustin Hoffman, circa nineteen eighty two, playing? Rick Deckard, Hunter of Replicants. For some reason, I can really, really, really feel the vibes off of a Dustin Hoffman noir film. Yeah, I... I think if Dustin Hoffman would have put effort into the the voiceover, unlike Harrison Ford did... Harrison did not like that voiceover. It would have been better. (laughs) Not, Not to say that Harrison Ford couldn't have done a better job with the voiceover, but... For some reason, I can feel I can really feel Dustin Hoffman's like voice resonating over me yeah. as I'm watching him act things out on screen in a noir kind of fashion. However, I don't think we would have the masterpiece that we do right now. I I think that I, I think that Hoffman would have done perfectly fine with the with the 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 more emotional scenes, the romantic scenes with Rachel. The, the more human scenes, the dialogue yeah. and stuff like that. He wouldn't have been fine with that. I mean, when it comes to action and being up against... I mean, don't get me wrong. The character of Deckard doesn't do well against... Certainly against Roy Batty or, or Pris towards the end of that movie. But yeah. I would have had a hard time believing that Dustin Hoffman would be killed in the first five seconds of that See, fight. but you're also kind of... You're looking back right now. Right now, like we kind of see Dustin Hoffman as like this older dude who, you know, he wasn't super big to begin. Like if you think about like gra- graduate was what year? Can we can we pull this up real quick? Oh boy, I want to say seventy six. Was it? Oh, I was thinking, but I'm not sure. But Hoffman's not a big dude. I mean, Harrison Ford isn't huge, but sixty seven. Oh man, I was gonna say sixty seven. You guys so, said seventy six. Wow, I'm like, oh my god, old, I'm so stupid. Way older than I thought. <laughs> but I called it. Um, but not really. But I don't. I don't. I don't know. I. I've seen Straw Dogs, the original. Yeah. I mean, he certainly asserts himself as kind of a badass towards the end of that film, but I just can't see him in that. Yeah. This is tough. It's a tricky one. This is one. tough. Because once again, it's another thing where you have to imagine, because I would imagine they would rewrite around. They would gear it more towards his strength as an actor. Sure. Um, I don't know. I think I would like to see this. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, interesting. I mean, it's, and like, it's I think really it, a... I almost think it would work... Out of the three you said, I think this would probably be the one that works the best. Out sure. Of the th- just because he's such a strong actor, I think he... 
I think it would have put Dustin Hoffman's career on a completely different path. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like, yeah. if, if Blade Runner had been, not that it was a huge success, but if it had garnered the following it did on VHS. <laughs> yeah. if, if he was in Blade Runner instead of Tootsie, which both came out the same year. Tootsie's good, though. I mean, <laughs> Tootsie's very good. Yeah. Harrison Ford and Tootsie and Dustin Hoffman. Oh, man. And then, Her- and then Dustin Hoffman gets to play Indiana Jones. Oh, boy. Um, oh, man. That would have been, I mean, I think his career would have been a little, would have taken a different path. Yeah. Not that it would have been a worse or a better path but it would yeah. be different I certainly I think I. it's a very interesting project because I like both those actors a lot and yeah. they're weirdly comparable despite the fact that they're looks wise they're not at all yeah like when when I look at them but I, I agree when you think of caliber of actor yeah. I think those two fall somewhere near the same but uh, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one it is no and it's weird because I feel like it, it wouldn't even like I said that I could see it being noir but I Deckard's so like stoic most of the time. I don't think Dustin Hoffman would necessarily do particularly well with that. Yeah, he's too charming to be as stoic as Deckard is with Rachel in those scenes. And that was a huge departure for Ford at the time because yeah. people knew him from from Star uh, Wars. Han Solo, and I believe and uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark was out at that point yeah. too. So that was a pretty big departure for him. Um, he wasn't, I mean, because to be honest, oh, Han Raiders Solo and Indiana are, are pretty similar no. characters. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's an interesting, it, it was a different choice for him. It was a big budget movie, but it was a different choice for him. So, yeah. and it would have been for, for Hoffman as well, but yeah. um, I don't know. It's it, I, I can't say it would be a wholly different film, but I, I can say I don't think it would have felt as genuine as it does with with Ford in in the role with with or without voiceover personally in my opinion yeah yeah it would be, it would be interesting to see but yeah yeah all right um, I think that about wraps this up we can come back to more of those later let us know what you think about these new segments that we did uh, feedback at midwestfilmnerds.com uh, but we will be right back with our uh, we're gonna stay away from spoilers but you can kind of predict what prince achieves at the end of purple rain <laughs> it's so. an old movie so just forgive us for the spoilers yes yeah. thank you so uh we'll be right back with our review of purple rain all right and we're back with our review of prince's purple rain uh, starring Prince, uh, Apollonia Cotero, and Morris Day, and Jerome. Jerome. Uh, as themselves. Uh, the Revolution and the Time as themselves. Yep. Um, so, directed by Albert Mangoli, basically uh, kind of Prince's, uh, loosely based on Prince's uh, experience becoming a popular musician. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, that's really that all, all you have to say about it. it's it's him and the revolution versus Morris Day and the time for a spot in this club really yes. yeah for a spot for a spot in uh, in the club so um, I figure we can probably talk a little bit about how why this happened a little <laughs> bit sure just yeah kind of off the top oh um, oh you mean why this review is happening not why purple rain happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, if I knew why Purple Rain <laughs> happened, I'd be in a much better place in life. But... Prince was God at this point in history, yeah. and somebody said, let's make a movie. Yeah. yeah, And, and no, that's true, because as, as I told Willie afterwards when reading the IMDb trivia, this movie benefited like every single sector of Warner Brothers Entertainment. Yeah. yeah. The soundtrack, the movie, 
the merchandising, like everything. And I think I think honestly, Tim Tim said something to me that totally made sense about I, maybe you can repeat that about how this was huge, like a huge success. And yeah, well, yeah, it was kind of like a phenomenon. Uh, it was during the time it was. I mean, it was at the height of Prince's kind of the Prince craze, really. From eighty to eighty seven, I should say like I'm a giant Prince fan, so I'll get that out. But well, from like as you should be, <laughs> eighty to eighty seven really is Prince's like giant run. Like he has probably four albums in that time frame that I think a lot of people consider like pop masterpieces, yeah. and like this is probably the third because it goes Dirty Mind, nineteen ninety nine, and then this like in order. Okay, and this is like. I wouldn't say it's his last hurrah, but this is him at his peak of popularity and all that kind of around that time, like all that weird, like kind of like androgynous, like dressing and all of that around that time was Prince. And so it was just, it's weird to me because it was a giant phenomenon. And then on the, um, on the 20th anniversary DVD, there's this crazy like MTV premiere party and like Eddie Murphy shows up and Weird Al Yankovic is there and John Mellencamp. Like, it's just a weird collection of all these people at this Prince. And it's just, it's fascinating to watch, but yeah, it was definitely a phenomenon at the time. And it's kind of weird how it's been a little bit forgotten in a way, just how huge it was too. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if it was just because Prince is so weird, but, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, I think this really kind of happened. I can track it back to I was uh, driving home from Indiana. Actually, I had just gotten back in town, and I heard Raspberry Beret on the radio, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." <laughs> I texted Tim about it, and we were talking about Prince, and then somehow Willie and I started talking about Prince. You, you had told me that you and you and Tim had had a pretty yeah. amazing Prince conversation, and I. I don't think I realized either one of you liked Prince, so I yeah. was like, "Oh my god!" Like we were all like Prince fans without talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I knew I knew Tim was because Tim texts me uh, Prince lyrics a lot, um, which which not the dirty ones though. So he's really classy about it. Yes, um, which is hard to do because Prince lyrics are typically pretty dirty. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, so it was kind of funny that that we were all Prince. Yeah, fans. yeah. And so basically, uh, we we got to we got to the theater to see Great Gatsby yesterday, and it just didn't come together really well. People were like. We could be doing other things, or we're not really sure if we want to see it in 3D or 2D, blah, blah, blah. We didn't coordinate very well. I didn't help coordinate very well. So that's why we're not reviewing The Great Gatsby. However, uh, we were like, what could we just watch? And I said Black Rain by Ridley Scott. <laughs> and then somehow Alex was a genius and said, what about Purple Rain? <laughs> so then we immediately went on a chase for a Blu-ray copy, because I could not, I could not yeah. sacrifice quality and go with the DVD. Yeah. Which turned out great because if you have not seen Purple Rain on Blu-ray, you have not seen Blue. Yeah, it was. Purple Rain. It's it's a it's beautiful amazing. transfer. It's, is it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks very good. I might have, yeah. I might have. It sounds fantastic. My TV is not the best, but it sounds great on. Oh it. yeah. Yeah. So that's how we got to Purple Rain. Um, so now we can actually talk about the movie. Um, Willie, let's let's start with your thoughts on Purple Rain. You watched this as a kid. Yeah, you know, here's the thing is, my, my parents were pretty, not that they were like, not that they didn't care, but they were pretty cool with what I watched as a kid. I mean, I, honestly, like, I, I saw I saw movies like, there's no reason I most kids should see as a kid. I mean, they had the restrictions, but there were very few. And I saw Purple Rain as a kid. And mostly that was because my dad was in the music industry at the time, and he had a huge respect for Prince. He loved Prince. My mom loved Prince, if you know what I mean. And, um, <laughs> uh, and... They were like, you got to see how awesome he is. And at the time, I remember, 
I remember the only thing that really stuck with me was Apollonia because oh my god, she was amazingly attractive. Yeah. Even even as a kid, I was like, girls are are nice. Like like oh my god, you know like that was like my becoming a man. I think was seeing Apollonia purify herself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> And um, it wasn't Lake Minnetonka. Really. No, spoiler what, alert. Well, the twist. Um, <laughs> but no, uh, you know, it, I watched a worn-out VHS copy that they recorded off a of TV, and and I remember they, my mom was always like, "Look at how awesome he is! How great he is on stage!" And I wasn't nuts about the music. And then, uh, in all honesty, this is the way I was as a kid. I everything your parents love, you hate. Yeah. yeah. You don't hate, but you, you at least pretend to hate it. You know. And and grow and, and as I got older, I realized that holy crap, I like everything they like. Like, much <laughs> like, like I kind of agree with them on all their musical choices. Yeah. So um, later in life, I figured out that I I was like, oh my god, I love Prince. Like Prince is awesome. How can you not like this guy? And this is the first time I've watched it in a long time. A long time. I I would say honestly, at least uh, it's probably been ten years since I've seen this movie in its entirety. And the first thing I will say about Purple Rain is that somehow. Somehow this movie holds up. I yeah, it should not. Despite being a pure, purely like crafted film of the eighties. Yeah. I mean, seriously, music, the look, the editing of the movie screams eighties. Everything about this movie is so just completely intertwined with the decade it was made that there's no reason this shouldn't feel dated. Yeah, and it really doesn't. No, it feels like it's truly capturing the culture of the time. Like, it, it feels like a, it feels like a period piece now. <laughs> it, I know that's silly, but it really does. And, and the story is very simple. It's, it's really v- very much a, a classic hero's tale almost, you know, like he's rising up from really crappy, um, a crappy situation and, and becoming better than he ever was. And, and, and it's through various factors through, you know, his friends and his family and his, his, his one true love, Apollonia. And, but it just works so well. It, I can't argue with it. And I mean, yes, some of the acting isn't great. But you've got to remember, these are not actors. There are three actual actors in this film. And the rest of them are all playing... Prince's parents, right? Are like the only actors? I think like Prince's parents and then Apollonio was also an actor beforehand. Well, there you have and it. And I think that's it. And, and it's, it's somehow... They really... And it, this has to be a testament to the director. Yeah. And I don't know what else he's done, but like, he gets some really good stuff out of these people, and 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 there are issues with this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Like any movie. I mean, there's there's a lot of longing glances and weird establishing shots that Alex had brought up. <laughs> Strangely long establishing shots, like, hey, we're here at this barn, you know. Yeah. Um, and there's some strange editing choices made. Um. It's really corny stuff. Like, yeah. The, I mean, the montage is great because every every great '80s movie needs a great montage, mm-hmm. and this works so perfectly because it's when doves cry, you know, and he's he's yeah. riding on his motorcycle and he's remembering everything that we saw like 20 minutes before we saw the montage, which is really funny. Um, <laughs> it hasn't been that long, guys. We remember what happened in the movie. Um, and there's this weird, there's this weird like just like one shot of the two of them having sex on a on a pile of hay. <laughs> Um, in a barn, yeah. which never happened in the movie. Yeah. And, but it adds to the charm. It yeah. really does. Yeah. And I can't argue with it. Yeah. Um, we'll get back to my, my love of Morris Day because it's going to have to happen here. Yeah. But, um, but no, I, I really enjoyed this. Like, even liking it as a kid, just because of Apollonia mostly, 
I, I, it's it's a good movie. Yeah, you and came I, like, you came back to it, and there was more there than you realized. I I feel weird about this because I wanted <laughs> to make a joke out of this movie and this review, like like I like not a joke, but I like I wanted to like poke fun at it, and I I can't poke too much fun at it. Yeah, it's I, the campy elements are they're there, but I don't know. It, yeah, it still holds up pretty well. So it's almost a benefit to the movie. Yes, it really exactly. Is. It really is. And, and and the moments that are there, there are moments I think that are are almost intentionally campy. Yeah. Like the the final shot of the movie is this really really cheesy shot of Prince looking back at you. You know, like oh, yeah. like yeah. And that was premeditated. That was they knew what they were doing with oh, that. Yeah. Um. They weren't I, sitting in the editing room being like, "Oh, this is the good one. This is where we need to." This is the take. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I, I I can't argue with that. The the soundtrack is yeah. I mean I think that's probably why that's a huge part of the reason it still holds up is because I mean even if it gets to the point where it get maybe maybe gets too campy or too silly like musical performance and it's and it's yeah. it is always I don't there's not a bad song on that soundtrack no, no. Uh, and the Prince songs and the Morris Day song, even the Apollonia six song is kind of catchy. I mean, like it, yeah. that's probably the worst song on there. And it's still, it's, but it fits, it fits well in the movie too. Mm-hmm. Though. Like it fit, I'm glad it's the worst song. Yeah. Because it, it because of the plot point of her yes. having teamed up with Morris Day at that point to mm-hmm. produce this girl group. I'm glad it's, it's really, it's, it's a corny song, yeah. you know? Um, Good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it, God, it just, and every every choice, like I don't know if it was if it was Prince who said we should put this song here or this song here, or if it was the director, whoever, whoever. Every every song is really pretty meticulously chosen. Yeah. Because I mean, they kick off the movie with do they kick it off with Prince or Morris Day? They start it with Prince and uh, it's Let's Go Crazy. Let's Go Crazy, let's go crazy which yep. is just it gets you immediately with the editing of of yeah. showing the different kind of the faces of the eighties. You know, yeah. you got the people with the big hair and the makeup and all that stuff, the excess. And it totally, you're instantly in that time period. Yeah. And Let's Go Crazy is like the perfect song for that. Yeah. And it's, and then you get Morris Day, who's a to- total showboat. <laughs> He's amazing. Yeah. Morris Day is a man named Jerome, who is technically a band member. Um, he comes on stage and, and, and holds the mirror for Morris yes. Day. And body slams uh, Morris Day's one night stands <laughs> into dumpsters. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the weirder moments of the movie because it's weirdly slapsticky for this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, I don't. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the Morris Day Jerome relationship is amazing to me because he he treats him like an equal, but like Jerome has a job to do, and yeah. it's like make Morris Day look good. Like that's Jerome's job, but yep. like he's totally equal. Like yep. they're friends, they're buddies. <laughs> it's almost like they were buddies in like like grade school, you know, like growing yeah. up, and they finally came to an agreement. Like you know what. I'm cool with with taking the backseat to your showboat. I just I just want to make things happen for you, and you make things happen for me. And like they worked out this agreement, like as like like ten year olds, you know, like they're paying it out now, you know, totally. like, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. Totally, it's amazing, and it's it's hard to draw the line between. I don't even care, but it's hard to draw the line between fact and fiction with this movie a little bit because yeah. I I know that Prince has, has talked a bit about his background and that his father had uh, was had some issues. Yeah. And and it certainly shows in this movie, and I think it was cool to work in some of his his own history into the movie, and it adds more weight to the movie. You know what I mean? He's not playing Prince per se, even though he mm-hmm. might as well be. But it, I don't know. It's cool. It's it's just you don't see movies like this anymore. Yeah. And I and I was saying earlier the probably the best 
the best modern example of a movie like this would be Eight Mile, and probably the best example of a movie like this would be Eight Mile. You know, it's a life imitating art, imitating life type thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you don't see that a lot, and I, I think it, it's it's just a cool movie, and it, it really we watched it with some people who might not be a, not that we're super well versed in Prince. I think Tim is probably the authority yeah. at this table on Prince, yeah. but um. We're fans mm-hmm. of his music, me and Alex, and and we watched it with a couple of people that weren't necessarily super into Prince's music. They knew they knew Prince songs, but they didn't know that they were Prince. Yeah, that's kind of where they're at. Yeah, exactly. They've heard the songs, but they didn't know. It. And 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 a friend of ours was watching it with us, and she even like beforehand she was like grossed out by Prince because he's really, I mean, it's he's weird. He's very androgynous, yeah. and he's yeah. and he likes to do less spins and stuff. <laughs> But by the end, she was like emotionally invested <laughs> in what was happening to Prince, and she really didn't like Prince by the end of this movie. So that's a testament to this film. I, yeah. All right, let's uh, let's let Willie catch his breath a little bit. And Tim, what what are, what are your thoughts on on Purple Rain? Um, like I said, I have a big Prince fan. I I'm trying to rem- I don't even. I'm be honest. I I remember I watched this movie younger. My gateway into Prince though was uh, Party Man from the Batman soundtrack, the original Batman. Because I love that song. Like it's so, it's amazing. I was just about. I was just thinking, which which Prince soundtrack is better? But we we don't have to answer that question tonight. That can just live within ourselves. But anyway, back to you. Tim. So yeah, I remember. I remember because that got me like, oh, I gotta I gotta hear more Prince songs. And it clicked with me. I'd seen Batman like a billion times before then. Yeah. But like it clicked with me as I got older. So then I got into it. I actually have a like a story about my special connection with Purple Rain. <laughs> Is uh, one weekend they were showing it at it's the music box in Chicago. It's kind of like m- the main art in Detroit, kind of a an art theater, art uh, house, yeah. an art house theater. And they show midnight movies. And my buddy and I are he's more of just he's a Prince fan, but he's a fan. He's like a huge fan of Purple Rain too. So okay. we went Friday night, and the Friday night show was like amazing. It because it was all like it was all like Prince fans. Like they were there to like Prince they liked the movie. Hearts. Everybody like clapped during the songs like during purple rain people started waving their hands someone broke out a lighter like it was like it was awesome like it was one of the best movie going experience and then i ruined it the second by going saturday because i went saturday we got drunk and then he's like let's go see it again i'm like yes like that was so awesome last night we need to do it again the second night was terrible because it was all people just making fun of Prince. Like, every time Prince popped up, they were like, look at that. Cause it, and, like, they'd quote the Chappelle show skit. The Prince, I was like, I hate you all. Where's my Prince fans from Friday night? And I remember just Where are my so, peeps at? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was pretty drunk at so I still remember the first night more. So I, so I that is one of the best movie-going experiences. I know it sounds weird to say, but, like, that... And that's what's weird to me about this movie is that I can't believe it hasn't caught on a little more as like a cult, like get together yeah. midnight show movie because it's perfect for it's, that. It's I, it it certainly does have like a cult following, uh-huh. but it's not. It's certainly not Rocky Horror. I was gonna show. say it's not devoted. It's not. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, I always think this. Droves. Yeah, I always think this should be Rocky Horror because I'm not a Rocky Horror guy, but like this would be. Yeah, and like because it's campy. It's got moments. It's got moments of silliness, so you can laugh at it. But it's all. It also works really well, and the musical performances are really well edited and shot and put together. Like they work really well as yeah. musical performances. So I, I'm with Willie. I think it still holds up. Um, and it's funny because yeah, 
there are so many reasons why this movie shouldn't like Prince in this movie, like he's moody, like his character, he's moody, he's arrogant, he's abusive. He lives in his parents' basement surrounded by like weird dolls <laughs> and portraits of himself. Yeah. And, like, Apollonia, who's amazingly attractive, just really wants to have sex with him for some reason. Like, if you break it down, you're like, why is this, like, why would someone want to have sex with him? And then he plays Let's Go Crazy, and you're like, that's why. Like, that's why (laughs) Apollonia wants to have sex with Prince, is because he knows Let's Go Crazy. He wrote Let's Go Crazy. Or he wrote Purple Raid. So... It's just, it, this movie, at times, like, you're sitting there watching, you're like, this shouldn't work. Like, nobody's a real actor. Like. This is the definition of a movie being more than the sum of its yeah, parts. No, it totally <laughs> is. It really is. It totally is. Like, Morris Day and Jerome, honestly, are probably, well, it's weird. Because Prince isn't a very good actor. Morris Day and Jerome are actually really funny. Like, they're a good comedic they're, team. Yeah, their comedic like, timing is yeah, pretty impeccable. Like, they're pretty good. Like, I, if I were, like, I was very... I, I'm always very impressed by their performance in this movie comedically. Um, but other than that, like Apollonia's bad. Like she's not good. Uh, Prince is weird at times. There's, I kind of want to go through if we have time and pick your favorite, like side character on purple rain. Cause mine is either there's a guy, the club owner with the Detroit tigers hat, but my favorite guy is the monotone, um, announcer. announcer. <laughs> and I, I try to, I'll try to do an impression for everybody. It's ladies and gentlemen, the time. I can't, no, that was even yeah, too much. But you can, yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. he, his, his delivery is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> the revolution. <laughs> like, he sounds like he's, like, dead inside. It's like, <laughs> I don't, yeah. So, I, th- I guess that sums up. Like, it's like it's probably one of my favorite movies. I, I can't, I don't really know why, other than, like, I mean, it's great. It's like, the music the, it's, is. It's the perfect storm of. It really is. <laughs> of everything Tim loves. <laughs> It really is. And then, yeah, um, he went on to make more movies. I don't know if we want to talk about those, but they're not very good. Um, although Sign of the Times is a concert film. It's probably his be- second best movie, but it's a concert movie. So okay. I guess it it's hard to count. mess that up. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, I <laughs> I really enjoyed this movie. It's it's weird because I, I was thinking, like, maybe people who weren't. Because I'm not, I'm not a huge Prince fan. It's exactly like Willie said. I'm not a huge Prince fan. But I I absolutely respect him, and his songs are clearly very... I'm on my way to becoming a huge Prince fan. Yeah. As as I get more exposure to more Prince. <laughs> but um, I was curious as to whether or not people who, like, don't know much about Prince really enjoyed it. And then you said that, that the people we watched it with did enjoy it. I was like, yeah, they really did. And it's just... <sighs> It's a good story at its yeah. heart. It's really, really good, and and you know you don't really walk out of it learning anything. And it's not like uh, it certainly isn't like an. I I, I guess it is kind of like an after school special. It's it's, it's really like, melodramatic yes. at moments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And in the end, it's like yes, you need your friends and the people around you to build you up. Okay, yeah. It's very straightforward, but it's still extremely enjoyable. Um. Uh, Acting wasn't amazing. No. Uh, much like Prince himself, nothing about this movie was subtle. <laughs> <laughs> he, he ends uh, he ends the movie by like fake ejaculating his guitar on the he audience. Does. <laughs> he does. We joked about a three D purple rain release. <laughs> so it's just it's it's really 
it's it's very campy, but it's extremely enjoyable. Um, the soundtrack is very very enjoyable. Um, it's very plain technically. There's not there's not a lot of cool. There was there weren't any shots where I was like, oh, this is amazing, except for the fact that Prince was in most of them, and that made it amazing. But <laughs> uh, you know, it, there weren't a lot of technical feats in the film there's a lot of just kind of static shots and Mm -hmm. some that kind of move with him through like the hallway the backstage area yeah but there's nothing that really like kind of wows or anything like that and and, and it i think that i that's just a a matter of they knew what this movie needed to be yeah Yeah. they just they got somebody to fill the director's chair they're like hey and put the camera on prince they got a crew and they were like make this movie for us because that's all they needed they they just needed prince to be there much like robert downey jr and the avengers too (laughs) but uh no it's it does hold up surprisingly well like this is a movie that um I my mom's probably had it on like when it's been on cable and I'll walk in and see a minute of it. I was probably like, why did anybody give Prince a movie? Because I clear I wouldn't understand that because I was born after Prince's like huge yeah the the, the craze. But um, and then on top of that, I'd just be like, I don't know, this is too eighties for me. But then like finally sitting down and actually watching it and having some level of respect for Prince, it's. It, it was it was way more enjoyable than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we sat down and did it. <laughs> did it. Yeah, I'm all like, I was I was struggling. I'm like afterwards, after we left the theater, we're like, we're not gonna do Gatsby. I yeah. was kind of worried about like, what are we gonna do? You know? And then somehow Purple Rain, you just you just it, you clicked, and it it made perfect sense. Yeah. Do you have a favorite side characters since Tim was asking about yeah, that? Yeah, I I really enjoyed Wendy and Lisa. I like Wendy and Lisa too. Yeah. I, I like you Wendy know, and Lisa. They were good. together around that time. Yeah. 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 They were. Just a little sad. Wendy Wendy's pretty attractive. <laughs> she is. Yes. But yes. Yeah. whichever one the guitarist was. Is that Wendy? That was Wendy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh Willie, what about you? Your your favorite side character? I uh I kinda like the waitress. Yeah. The, the blonde waitress who gets really emotional at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, like, no reason at all. She doesn't have any real, like, she's great because she's a character that they feel like they're going to give you some sort of, like, background on. Because she, like, towards the beginning of the movie, she's kind of, like, there a lot. Yeah, yeah. And then she just disappears. And then she's back and she's like, hey, remember me? And she's, like, crying a lot. <laughs> Tears down her face, like, streaming down her face. Because as, Purple Rain As Prince her. is pacing around his purple, uh, his purple motorcycle in the back alley. Yeah. He almost leaves, you know? Yeah. He's almost done. Yeah, but yeah, I, and I, I that just her. She's like the icing on the cake. Yeah, of that incredibly fantastic ending where everybody's crying. Yeah, like Morris Day and Jerome, I'm pretty sure are shedding a tear as they're clapping for him. <laughs> and they, they should be him. holding each other. Yeah, so it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I love the shot that cut that cuts to them while while uh, Purple Rain is going on, and they're just both kind of like. Like so taken in by the beauty of, and majesty of what he's doing, yeah, it's it's pretty good. The club owner's crying. It's yeah. it's fantastic. I, yeah. I forgot to to you brought this up, Willie, yesterday. You're like the last twenty minutes of this movie is a concert film. Yeah, it is, and it's awesome. Yeah, but it's... it works so perfectly because it's all building to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and the setup for the thing is, what's amazing about this movie is it has it has character arcs like any great movie should have, but every single character art is 
character arc is built around the prince character. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody is this peripheral part of what he needs to. Yeah. Which is really cool, you mm-hmm. know, like yeah. like like uh, Lisa and I'm sorry, it was Lisa. Wendy and, and Lisa. Le- Wendy and Lisa, like they they have a really cool character arc mm-hmm. there, and but it's built around Prince's inability to accept yeah. our music, yeah. and everybody has that, yeah. and it's very it's very cool because it all comes together at the end. Like it's it's actually a lot like how Joss Whedon made Firefly because in Firefly, like all of the sub characters are basically different per- parts of Mal's personality. That's kind of what happens, and, and maybe that's why I enjoyed this movie so much. Maybe. It reminds you of Firefly. <laughs> maybe, maybe Joss Whedon styled Firefly after Purple Rain. Joss Whedon, please cast Prince in Serenity 2. Oh, God. As, oh. as Shepard Book's son. Ooh, ooh. Yes. I like that. Bishop yes. Book. Um, <laughs> I went there. Uh, but... No, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's certainly there's these character arcs that definitely do pay off, and it is all hinging on on Prince because he is he's the central character of the movie. He's the protagonist. He's uh, everybody is waiting for him to become the person he needs to be. Yeah, yeah. Like, the club owner is waiting for it, and Morris Day and the time Morris Day and the time are waiting for it, hoping it's not going to happen. But yeah. you know, it's just it's so cool. It, yeah. it all comes together so well at the end, and 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 that's what makes. Purple Rain is a very good song on its own merit, yeah, yeah. but like when you add the the drama that's been building to that the point, rising, with Rain, the rising action of the story. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's 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 great. Totally. Well, and if I yeah, if I remember, like the the Wendy and Lisa subplot thing is actually something that kind of occurred yeah. around that time. Like, I, oh wow! Like they were they weren't ha- like Prince wasn't really recognizing their contribution to the group, and they did make quite a contribution to the group, and. So it it's kind of interesting in that from that perspective too. Yeah. Um, I do want to throw out a couple lines that I think our listeners should try from Morris Day. Yeah. Um, I think the best line like pickup lines for the ladies, or oh, yeah. if you're a lady for the guys. <laughs> um, he, he says, "You should see my house. It's so exciting. Like that's good. It's <laughs> like, really good. Um, doesn't he like? Caw-caw! Like <laughs> yes. Bird. Then yeah, you have to end it with a yeah a bird. Yeah. Caw. Um, what's He's uh, I've got a brass water bed. That's good too. Um, I'm gonna make you love me. Another good one. Uh, he's got some more. He does. So, um, they're, they're I, very... I suggest watching the movie. And they, and they all, they all stream out of his mouth, like at the same point in time, like all in one scene on the same girl. It's amazing. At the same yeah, time. yeah, it's really just. Th- it's like a kitchen sink. Just yep. throw it at. Yep. Throw I think it. one of his lines is actually, "We're gonna have sex." Like that—that's his line. Is we're gonna have sex. <laughs> yeah. Like that—that's it. That's all he's got left yep. in his tank. At yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. All right. Um, we'll do a quick letter grade, and then I think we can. We'll take a quick break, and then move on to a food for thought. But letter grade, Willie. I mean, it's not trying to be anything more than what it is, and for that, I I have to give it like, for sure, like a B plus, A minus, absolutely. I mean, maybe even an A, like, based on what it's trying to accomplish, <laughs> honestly, because it really does what it wants to do, so, yeah. you know. It's yeah. not Shakespeare, but... Yeah, if I were going to, like, objectively give it a grade, I can't do it, so I'm going to give it an A. <laughs> like, I can't. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a... I'd give it a B plus, because I do kind of think, you know... Uh, if they would have had spent more time with like acting coaches and if they would have picked somebody who could have put some flair on it from a, from a technical standpoint, it could have been an even bigger, like masterpiece, but yeah, but I think it is a masterpiece in its own as it stands right now. So 
That's you heard it. You heard it here. Go see uh, Purple Rain. Go watch Purple Rain, guys. Nineteen eighty four classic. It's the 29th anniversary. So <laughs> it is. What it better is. time? Wait till next year. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see on the thirtieth anniversary. Yes, wait for our review of the thirtieth anniversary <laughs> Blu-ray oh, with uh, the thirtieth anniversary Criterion Collection that I hope comes out next oh year. Oh God! Don't don't tempt me. I know. I know. All right. So we'll be right back with food for thought. Alright, we're back. Uh, food for thought time. Um, kind of brought to us by both Willie and myself because we kind of had the same thought. Synergy. Yes. Podcast synergy. Um, so we were thinking in, in the vein of Purple Rain. Yes, the vein of Purple Rain. You're a uh, you didn't know it. <laughs> Just like Prince. <laughs> what, uh, what artist would you like to see kind of have their own... Uh, movie in the style of Purple Rain, and we can we can open it up to like what what artists do you think should really like their music should be made into like a film like musical mm-hmm. kind of situation, but more specifically if possible, who do you think as an artist should have their story told as a film like a a, a, a kind of musical autobiographical film almost with them in it almost. Yeah. What do you guys think, Willie? I know you got one. I want to see a film. In the style of Place Beyond the Pines, where the two main characters converge on each other, and it becomes this intertwining, you know, cinematic vision, with the careers of David Bowie and Iggy Pop, <laughs> and when they join together yeah. in, in a weird, ambiguous relationship of music and and mutual respect and love, and I want to I want to see that film. There'd be because you've got like one man who's coming from from Detroit, you know, from the Detroit mm-hmm. like the kind of the grungy punk scene. He's really like kind of dirty and doing a lot of drugs and stuff and you got Bowie who's kind of this classy elegant yeah. man you know and they both they, they're, they're two men from different sides of the tracks coming together as one <laughs> yeah. to, be, to, to better each other's careers and then splitting off into their own separate directions it's beautiful that that would be it's a bromance th- film I mean that that's a script waiting to be written <laughs> even without them being in it like that <laughs> you could see that happening yeah. That's, that's very beautiful. Should we not? Should we, should we add this part out so no one steals the Yeah, idea? we should probably <laughs> hold on to this. So I was really like, I was like, yeah. I mean, this, this, could be, this could be, like like you said, like even if it wasn't, I mean, I want it to be Bowie and, and Iggy Pop because, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. But, like, like the Use grunt, the Tron technology to de-age them. And... Seriously? I'd be down. I was actually, like, jokingly in my head thinking about that. Like, that's, that's, yeah. that's Chris Evans, these, these guys in Captain America, <laughs> and make them, like, a little skinnier and whatnot, you know? Um, no, I, I think it'd be really cool to see that that's a, that's a, that's a real life story of two guys who are hugely, vastly different, both at the time in popularity and musical style and who altered each other's careers for better or worse. You know, I mean, it's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird friendship that formed maybe more than friendship. We don't quite know. (laughs) Yeah. But <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> but we don't need to know that in the movie either. The beauty of it is <laughs> is that these two should never have had any reason to be buds because they were so different, and they wound up actually affecting each other's careers and lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Very good. That's Tim. mine. That's good. That's good. I like that. Um, the first person that popped into my head, and I don't think we ever – it was Freddie Mercury. Like a, like a, like a, yeah. I was thinking like a, like a purple, like Freddie Mercury life story. 
with like mu- his music. I guess the closest we ever got to like a Queen musical was Flash Gordon. Yeah, but, yeah, but it never. And, and that he's was so... Freddie Mercury's life, basically. Let's <laughs> <laughs> be honest, that was Freddie Mercury. <laughs> but it, like, just he's so theatrical and flamboyant, anyway. Like, yeah, or was um, that it would make for I think a fascinating and a very much probably totally a Purple Rain type movie. So that was the first person that popped into my head. Okay. So I was kind of personally thinking. Um... I, I don't know much about his life in a personal sense. They'd probably have to fictionalize it, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Tom Petty. Yeah. Tom yeah. Petty would be an interesting one just to kind of see, like, it, like him kind of converging with the Traveling Wilburys and kind of splitting off, much yeah. like much like the your your Iggy Pop and David Bowie idea. I think that would be interesting. He's got some great music that could fit perfectly into a musical setting. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, I feel like he's got such a wealth of songs, too, that I feel like you could weave a really interesting kind of... Much like uh, we were t- talking earlier, ABBA and Mamma Mia. And Mamma Mia like, which was a huge success on Broadway and stuff, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. Um, I do have a special place in my heart for Mamma Mia. Good, good for you, sir. Much. Even the Pierce movie. Brosnan. Oh, Pierce Brosnan's the best part. Absolutely. Because it was uh, when he rips off his shirt. Yes, uh, I like that Stolen Skarsgård made it in that movie. Yeah, I know, I know. Right? <laughs> Amazing. Good for um, you. But uh, personally, from a fanboy standpoint, I'd also love to see like a Daft Punk story with like their, mu- but their music doesn't really like <laughs> them getting up on stage and performing one of their songs isn't really going to be. If it's just them in space, oh. I mean, let's be honest. If, if if they're actual robots in the movie, <laughs> yeah, that, w- yeah, yeah, that'd yeah. be good. That'd be good. Yeah. It's like a futuristic like autobiography. <laughs> well, I was going to say that that technically Tom Petty's part of Tom Petty's autobiography has been done in the film, in Kevin Costner's The Postman, where he appears as future Tom Petty. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't a joke. Amazing. There's actually a line in that movie where Kevin Costner goes, "Hey, are you?" And he goes, "Shh." <laughs> like like he like shushes him like, "No, don't say my name." Oh, I hope that was in the script. That's a, Kevin Costner that's a name that, that I haven't been known by in a very long time. Yeah, that's the, is that the line? I don't know. I it's was, some, just, no, I was just pulling an Obi Wan. It's something like that. It's really, <laughs> it's really awkward, and it, it's like, why? Like, <laughs> was this in the script? Because it should have been. Like, oh, I don't know. Man. Whatever. We should watch that too. But. That's amazing. I just yeah, I, I had one pop in my head. So, okay. Like it's like a, your the Daft Punk thing reminded me of, but um. It's one of actually my, like, biggest disappointing, like, most disappointing movies of all time. It's Idlewild by Outkast. Because Uh. Outkast would have made it, like... They were that was around their that was around their peak too yeah, when they were together. Totally. That, that was, was like after, just after Speaker Box. And yeah, Love Blow. And I was so excited for like an Outcast musical. Yeah. And then Idlewild is such it's like a weird it's a very straightforward like movie set in like the nineteen twenties. There's not a lot of music in it. It's just it was like I just remember being really disappointed in it. Like I thought, like, oh my gosh, let those guys loose with like a music video director that they'd work with. Like yeah. this could be great. Like this could be like a new Purple Rain, and like it just. Yeah, it, I remember being somewhat excited for that, and then it just yeah. kind of fell off. But yeah, I, I, I never saw it, but I've heard things that were kind of yeah. yeah. Um, I also for for a while there, I personally wanted to figure out how to weave some Muse songs together to make like a really cool rock opera which i weren't I feel they gonna like, do that 
I don't. I, I, I mean, thought... their albums are kind of concept albums yeah. in that way, yeah. especially like the past two or so. It's really like, you know, the Resistance is the name of one of the albums, and yeah. I wonder what that one's about. But yeah. uh, I think you could really kind of make something interesting with them, yeah. and and I think it would be fun to watch. But oh, absolutely. I don't know if they would like have parts in it or anything like in uh, Tommy or 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 Purple Rain per se. But I still think it'd be cool. So. Sure. All right, I think that's about it. Any other final thoughts? No. Go watch Purple Rain. Yeah, go watch Purple Rain. If yeah. you already watched it during the course of this podcast, watch it again. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I, yeah I would suggest just watching it on like a loop. Just have it on. <laughs> It'll inform your you life. You can do anything. I mean, there are movies that are better when you're doing like laundry. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this isn't necessarily better when you're doing laundry, but it works perfectly for that. Yeah, yeah you don't really have to keep up with like you're like, no. oh man, here's... Here's Lake Minnetonka. Like, I know to watch now. Yep. <laughs> so. yeah, exactly. yeah. If you want to be entranced by this film, you can be. Totally. If you choose oh, man. not to, you don't have to be. This is a perfect, like, this fits into the theme of the podcast. It just hit me. It's a Midwest, it's set in Minnesota. That is it true. Is. Oh, is. oh, my, how's your mind, listeners? Full circle. Blown. Totally full. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Tim Long. You brought it all together. Yes, we should, we should just drive to Lake Minnetonka. We should. Does it's it okay. exist? Yeah. Oh my god, totally. we're going. Yeah. Yeah. You will see this video of us at Lake Manitonka at some point in the near future. We're, we're going to get naked and baptize ourselves. I was going to say, we're all going to reenact the then... Apollonia scene. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put on fake breasts and jump in. We're going to reenact the... Tim's going to be standing on the beach. That's not Lake Manitonka. I bust, I bust out with weird party city fake breasts. Oh, oh no. Amazing. All right. Uh, you got a purple razor scooter? I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. That's all right. Feedback at uh, MidwestFilmNerds.com for any thoughts, questions, food for thought questions, all that kind of stuff. Um, thanks to my brother at Mr. John on Twitter for artwork and music. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, the podcast is at MFN Podcast, uh, at Hemo Williak for Willie, at Tim Long One TW, uh, and at John D One Seven Zero Three. Those will all be on our uh, show notes at MidwestFilmNerds.com. And uh, Kylex Y, go watch Purple Rain. This marks the beginning of our Purple Rain review, uh, Prince's Purple Rain, uh, directed by Albert Mangoli, um, starring Prince himself, yeah, uh, Apollonia Cotero, and Morris Day, technically all as themselves. And Jerome. <laughs> and Jerome. <laughs> as Jerome. And everybody. <laughs> uh, Clarence Williams III of the Mod Squad fame. Awesome. That was his father. Um, anyway... A plot summary for Purple Rain, brought to us by uh, IMDb user John Vogel. That's uh, 
jlvogel at comcast.net. <laughs> a young man with talent for, with a talent for music has begun a career with much promise. He meets an aspiring singer, Apollonia, and finds that talent alone isn't all that he needs. A complicated tale of his... Br- <laughs> Sorry, I didn't just stutter. This is just an issue with the actual wording of this of this uh, synopsis. But a complicated tale of his repeating his father's self-destructive behavior, losing <laughs> Apollonia to another singer. That's Morris Day, and uh, his coming to grips with his own connection to other people ensues. That is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna restart this segment. Yeah.